Welcome everyone to Be Better Betters. I'm the host, Spanky. My guest this week is a legend in the Nevada bookmaking scene. Not too many bookmakers are book writers, but you can read all about his incredible life and his unbelievable stories in his book, Then One Day, 40 Years of Bookmaking in Nevada. Please welcome Chris Andrews. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing great, Spanky. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, brother, for being here. So, Chris, you have so many stories. You have more stories than a forest has trees. Um, <laughs> we could get into all the stories, but then we'll, we'll need a week or two to do this. So I kind of have a list of questions. I read the book. I took notes. I'm going to ask you a lot of questions about things you've said in the book, and um, we'll just go from there. How's that? Sounds great. Sure. Awesome. So um, I know you worked at the Stardust, and I've heard so many legendary stories on Stardust openers. How competitive was it back then? Do you have any stories to share about that? Well, I wasn't there, you know, during the heyday when Scott Shetler was opening the uh, numbers. I've been gone by then. As a matter of fact, I replaced Scott Shetler at Calneva in 1981. I want to say about 1984 is when he took over the Stardust. And then they had that opening line with the lottery and all that stuff. And I really wasn't around for that. Uh, you know, I knew Scott and talked to him, and he was getting numbers from Roxy, so I'd, I'd hear from Roxy, and I knew a lot of the guys. Uh, the only real story I have about that is I had a guy in Reno who was opening the Stardust opening numbers, but 11 o'clock Monday morning. You know, Spanky? So it was one of those deals where I had a chance to get the opening number, you know, uh, 12 hours later or more than that and you know you could either get the opener if you, you know if you liked the way the move went you know I could bet the opening line or if you if you didn't like the move then I was in a position where I could pass on that and go bet almost everyone else in the country you know on the new line oh you know, my on the God. adjusted line Huge. I mean I I had such a field day <laughs> and when they finally fired the guy I mean I, I don't know how much it cost me because they brought in a new guy who happened to be a real good friend of mine who who actually knew what he was doing and uh I mean that that cost me a ton of money but you know you know how these gravy trains go you know oh, they're not 100% brother yeah. 100% they never last but I'm no. you were able to capitalize while it was there uh, sure I was there you know I, I was done with my work you know Monday morning by like noon you know what I mean so it was a it was a great deal while it lasted awesome good stuff man Great. So, Chris, everybody wants winners. In your book, uh, you mentioned that an FBI agent was wiretapping your Uncle Jack, and he yeah. was actually betting the games that Jack was betting. Um, yeah. what, what are your opinions on, like, touts, um, even o obvious scammers, uh, you know, or, or any touts in, in general in the business? Well, I, you know, I don't want to be too hard on them because I wound up falling into that myself, you know. But there, there's some good ones, very, very few. And then there's the bulk of them who are not very good, and they're just scam artists, you know, and you have to be careful of them. I don't want to mention the names of the guys uh, on either side of it, you know, because they always think I have ulterior motives, you know, me being a bookmaker. But very briefly, I'll say that, you know, I started my own company. Uh, we called it Against the Number, and uh, we we had, like, uh, we had a program that really worked well for handicappers, and we wanted to sell the program so guys could do their own handicapping, you know, Spanky. But guys just didn't want it, you know. So we 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 had the program. We started the business, and I, you know, I would put out. I'd say, you know, here's here's what the program came up with this week, and I'd give out, you know, X amount of plays. 
and they were they were winners. I mean, we we you know we chartered it. We were winning about fifty seven percent. You know, and guys were saying, well, they didn't want to do the, the they didn't want to do the work. They wanted us to just give them the plays. You know, so I wound up doing it for two years just because you know, we're trying to get the business off the ground. And, uh, and, and, you know, I mean, you just need a revenue stream at some point. You know, so, I mean, I was doing that. And like I said, we made, we made good money doing that. I made good money for my customers. And, you know, I, I got probably like 99.9% accolades from people who, who followed us. And, you know, we did real well for them. So I don't want to come down too hard on touts, although I know it's, it's really kind of a dirty business, but there, there's a few good ones out there and the bulk of them are, are not very good. Definitely. You were in the minority when it comes to the good ones. Yeah, I, I know I was. Yeah. 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 Good stuff, Chris. Um, in your book, you also mentioned, um, and I'm going, I'm just, I have all these things written down. I'm just going off the wall here with things that quotes that I loved in your book. So forgive me if there's, you know, no rhyme or reason to the order of these questions. <laughs> um, in, in your book, you mentioned you worked remotely while your son was sick. Can you describe yeah. the work ethic required to be successful in this business? Well, again, that was, uh, my son was born in 84, so this would have been 86. You know, Spanky, a lot of young guys, uh, in this business don't realize, I mean, how, how much it's changed. We didn't have Google or, or anything like that, so we'd get the papers in the morning. You know, I was in San Francisco where my son was in the hospital, and I'd get the Chronicle, and I got USA Today, and, you know, I, I, I was doing my own numbers, I had my own charting system. And first I had, I had a couple bookmakers who were like just double sharp. Well, first of all, I was betting into them, but I, you know, you, you know how it is, Spanky, you know, you get, you get good numbers and you knew who to respect and who not to. So I was betting those guys and I was beating them, but mostly by going against the public and I would know their, their openers and I, I see which way they like. Matter of fact, one guy, and I'll mention his name because he's passed away and he was a good friend of mine, a Greek guy by the name of Tommy George. And one of the best college basketball guys I've ever I've ever run into, and Tommy and I got to be pretty good friends. And I, I would bet into his numbers, but, but like I said, mostly betting against the public. I could see which way he shaded numbers and which way he liked. So I tried to go in with Tommy's sides, but by the same token, I was still running the joint back to Calneva, and uh, and like I said, there was no Don Best screen or anything like that. You kind of gave him the line in the morning. And I'd give them updates throughout the course of the day, you know, just by playing with these bookmakers. And, you know, it's a lot of work. And, uh, you know, and I still felt a responsibility to the joint, even though, you know, at that point in time I wasn't getting paid. You know, but I was still, uh, I still wanted to run the joint properly. And, uh, you know, it was just a lot of work on my end. And, you know, my kid was in the hospital uh, and I was sitting with him. So, I mean, there really was like a lot of dead time and I could, I could do my work and I, and I, you know, very fortunate at that time since I wasn't getting paid, I was able to earn enough money. I mean, listen, you're living in San Francisco and uh, you're paying hotel bills and hospital bills mm-hmm. and everything else. You know, you need an income. Absolutely. And and uh, you know, and I did that and just you know, I busted my ass working and uh, you know, I was very fortunate. Like I said, I won I won money while I was there. And then when I got back, I mentioned this in the book, Warren Nelson, who was who was really the boss at Calneva. You know, I was calling in every, you know, I didn't have cell phones or anything like that, so I was calling in, calling collect. And he asked me, he says, what's all these collect calls? And I explained to him what I was doing. He said, oh, okay. He just kind of nodded his head. And, uh, you know, I had, I had two weeks vacation coming, and four weeks, my kid was gone for six weeks. Next day in the 
in my mailbox, I had a check for the four weeks. You know, he paid me for all that time, you know, which I didn't expect, you know, but uh, but he did. He was a hell of a man, and I always speak very highly of Warren Nelson. I was very lucky to have run into him and had him as a boss. He was very good. But, the, you know, to get back to your question, I mean, it's a ton of work. You know that as, as well as anybody. There's no days off. There's nothing like that. You just work your ass off, and, you know, you're singing for your supper every day, and that's what I was doing. And, I, you know, like I said, during that time, I was, I was very fortunate. I had good information, and I worked hard and uh, made a little bit of extra money. Beautiful. You just mentioned Tommy George, um, the uh, college basketball handicapper. Did you find out that um, with respect to handicappers or guys that would give you sets of numbers, Usually, not too many people were proficient in more than one sport. Did you find that to be the case back then, or uh, you know, or there was just there was one guy who was good at everything? It's very hard to be good at everything, yeah. and I was never that guy. You know, I I I, I ran and I still run. You know, a, a sports book, and we do everything. You know, from you know football, baseball, basketball to you know we do golf, we do soccer. Uh, there's no way I could know everything about that. And even college basketball, uh, you know, back then I had, you know, my certain conferences I tried to handicap, you know, a lot of them along the West Coast. But then, of course, I did, you know, ACC, Big East, you know, those those kind of schools. But, you know, and then as the business has grown so much that now, you know, we're doing, you know, math games. We're doing, you know, I don't even know the names of some of these conferences, you know, like Elon and Wofford and stuff like that. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't have those back in the day. But like I said, Tommy was one of those guys. And, and you could see, like, let's say the number came out and it was, it was three everywhere, you know, whoever was playing. And Tommy had it four. Oh, okay, Tommy likes a favorite. You know, so mm-hmm. I would try to go in with Tommy's side, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, you know, eventually, you know, Tommy would open four and everybody else at three. Eventually, Tommy would get the three. Well, then I'd go lay the three with Tommy, you know. So, you know, most of the time he was he was rooting for me to win. And, you know, we have certain guys like that in this business where, you know, they might be wise guys, but, you know, you're 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 rooting for them, you know, mm-hmm. by the time it's all over. Yes. You know, so uh, we, we try to go in like that. And I, and I knew that. And I, I, I got raised properly. And like I said, anybody read my book, Knows how how I spoke of my uncle Jack, and he taught me in this in this business. And it's like, uh, you know, I had a master's degree by the time I was, uh, you know, twenty five years old. Mm-hmm. You know, just just from listening to him and and, and his friends and those kind of guys, I, I learned this business and how to how to make money in it. Beautiful. This is what you just you, the one point you just made in which you you wanted to go in with that side. A lot of uh, novices in the business or a lot of rookies they think that a bookmaker wants to have equal action on both sides. Can you debunk that theory and explain that everybody you, you always want to go in with the sharp side in your favor? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is you know that's the fallacy out there, and that is you know unfortunately I know. Probably a little later on, we're going to talk about the suits running some of these joints. You know, they want to go in with equal business on both sides, and you know, you'll you'll grind out a living, you'll be okay. You know, but I'd rather do it with going in with the sharp side on my side. Mm-hmm. You know, and that uh, and there's a way to do that. It doesn't always work that way. Sometimes the sharps and the public come in on the same side. You know, if the sharps are on a favorite and the public is too, you know, sometimes you just wind up on the wrong side. And you know, as a bookmaker, you gotta just kind of just kind of eat. Either on that one particular game, you know, but you try to go in with the sharp guys on your side and try to go in with their side, you know, backing you up, you know, and that's, you know, if you just went in with uh, equal business on both sides, first of all, you can't do it; it just never happens. Mm-hmm. But secondly, you'll, you'll grind out a little bit and you'll, you'll be okay in the end. But that's that's 
that's not that's a way for very mediocre results and i don't want to be mediocre i want to be good mm -hmm. perfect beautiful thank that i love that answer chris thank you um so l let's talk about you know bookmaking philosophy we just touched upon it um you know I, I, in your book you said quote as a bookmaker i never had the attitude of treating wise guys like the enemy um, I myself also never viewed the bookmakers enemy. You know, I spent the week betting at the South Point and, and with you guys in November 2018, and I bet every day. And you guys treated me great. Why do many of today's bookmakers feel that the the, the wise guy is the enemy? Um, and any suggestions on how we could try to all get along one day? Well, I think a lot of times, you know, because you have a lot of you have a lot of incompetent bookmakers, and I don't mean just in Nevada. I see them. You know, I worked with some Europeans for a while, and I saw that they were the same way. And uh, they they kind of, you know, I mean, I hate to cast aspersions, but a lot of them don't know what they're doing. You know, a lot of them have gotten that promotion because, you know, the higher-ups see, oh, this, I, I'm going to promote this guy because, you know, he reads the sports page every day. You know, and he bets, bets occasionally. Well, that doesn't make you a bookmaker. You know, and and a lot of those guys, they really don't know how to handle. They don't know how to handle a wise guy. They don't know how to to treat them. Number one, and they don't know how to treat their own money management. You know, so they go in, and they figure this guy's beat me. I'm going to throw him out of the joint. Well, you know, that's certainly one way to do it. I don't agree with that. Like I said, there's guys I know that are going to beat me in the long run, and you know, we touched on it in the previous question. I'm going to try to go in with their side. And, uh, you know, you treat them with respect. And if somebody sharp makes you a bet, you know, I move the hell out of the number is what I do, you know. And uh, I, I've, I've been on this side of the counter for many, many years, for most of my career. But I did spend a lot of time on the other side of the counter, on your side of the counter. And, and I would, you know, try to treat bookmakers with respect and try to just be fair with them. And I usually found that, you know, most of those guys, certainly back in the old days, and we're losing that a little bit, but if you treated them fairly, they would treat you fairly in return. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's just the way the, the business had always worked. And like I said, we're getting away from that now, and there's a few of us left that don't do that, you know, but uh, I plan on being one of the last guys standing that does treat players uh, fairly, you know, even wise guys, and you know, I, I, you know, I don't want to mention figures, but I put you on for some pretty good numbers. But you were always fair to me, and uh, and I tried to be fair to you, and I try to do that with not just you, Spanky, but with everybody, and I have that reputation, and and hopefully I can I, I can uphold that for uh, until my career ends. Chris, you were unbelievably fair to me. Um, it was a breath of fresh air because I took that trip um, after being kicked out by so many New Jersey sports books um, that opened up and going to Nevada and having that breath of fresh air by I'm actually feel as if I'm a customer and um, I don't feel as if I have, you know, I have the chicken pox and everyone's running away from me. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it really felt great. I really appreciate um, how you treated me. Um, just to go further on that, in, in the modern sports ga gambling landscape, in your book you said, quote, a monkey could run these sports books because the suits who own and hire the managers would rather get mediocre results than pay someone who actually knows what he's doing. Today's sports book managers are bet takers, not bookmakers, end quote. What's the difference in your mind between a bet taker and a bookmaker? Well, you know, I mean, when the Don Best screen came out, I mean, it was a double-edged sword. I, I really, you know, for for guys, you know, certain guys, I mean, it could be a real godsend and a way to really get taught much information very quickly in real time and use that, again, to your advantage. But for other guys, it was really just a way, 
you know, to get very mediocre results. They saw everybody move, and they moved. And I'd always say, well, why do you think that one joint moved? You know, we're talking about Pinnacle, Chris, you know, whatever. Why do you think they moved? Well, they moved because they got a bet. They didn't move just for the hell of it. You know, so you're moving for the hell of it. They moved because they got a bet. Maybe you should take a bet, too, because those guys, as far as I know, and I know, I know a few of the guys. I don't know them all, but I know a few of the guys. They've done really well booking this stuff, you know. So, uh, if we can follow their model, let's try to do that, you know, and not not try to circumvent it, you know. Just like I said, just we're not going to move because they moved, but a lot of them do. Now, I see a lot of other guys that they do move on air, and I feel like telling them, you know, why don't you go into some of these joints and see some of the idiots that are running it, and you're moving because they took a bet or because they moved. That makes absolutely no sense to me whatsoever. Wow. You know, if we have a good line, and I, you know, I feel that right now the South Point we have about as good a line as anybody else. We'll take a bet, and if somebody bets us, like I said, if it's a sharp guy who I, I know is a, a winning player in the end, and there's a lot of them out there, that we're going to move the hell out of it when that guy bets us. We're going to try to go in with their side, or at least not try to go in against them. Gotcha. And uh, that's the way we're trying to do things. But uh, like I said, I see a lot of guys, they just see they see one joint move, and they want to move along with it. And like I said, I always go back and say, do you know why that joint moved? It's because they got a bet. That's why they moved. We should probably do the same thing. Can you even, I think earlier last, uh, last sometime last year, one of the Nevada joints, they stopped taking bets because Don Best was down. Um, yeah. Can, can you believe that? Like, I, I, when I heard that, I couldn't believe it. Well, unfortunately, I do believe it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't believe it, but I do believe it. <laughs> it's one of those two. <laughs> Beautiful. So, um, you know, uh, one last quote, and then we'll move on to another topic, but um, you, you also said, and I quote in your book, this was, a brand, this was a new brand of idiot. I'd like to say they're extinct, but they aren't. Some are still running Nevada sports books. In fact, one is the CEO of a multinational book. Um, is uh, When did this trend start taking over the landscape? And will the suits ever see the light bring back the bookmakers? And lastly, without mentioning names, is this quote-unquote idiot still a CEO? Well, without mentioning names, I think we probably both know who I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah. the guy, I don't I, he's not he's not an idiot let's put it that he's i'm sure his iq is probably a lot higher than mine yeah. but he's not a bookmaker and he's done <laughs> extremely well for himself and his company but he's not a bookmaker you know I, I i try to read as much as i can about different subjects and one thing i'd like to read malcolm gladwell is a guy and i know some guys malcolm and all that but he had one theory out there about guys work ten thousand hours before you can really be an expert in something and he used Quoted everybody, you know, use examples from like the Beatles all the way up to, you know, scientists and everything else. Oh, I, I think I added it up at the time when it came out, and I probably have about 60,000 hours working <laughs> in what I'm doing. I love but, it. But maybe I'm an expert. I don't think this guy is an hour and a half. <laughs> Your book, actual book. So the, he's not an idiot. I, you know, I probably, I, I don't want to misstate it. You know, he's not an idiot, but he's not a bookmaker either. But. You know, um, you know, what can I say? I don't want to get myself in any trouble. No, 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 that's it. You've said so. enough. I like to quote, it's like they're not a bookmaker, they're a dressmaker. That's what I like yeah. to say sometimes. Yeah, but, you uh, use that. I, I use bet takers. You say dressmakers. <laughs> I mean, we can go either way. Okay, gotcha. 
Hey, listen. I think we're getting our message across. Fair enough, brother. Enough said. Uh, so um, okay, so let's m- move uh move on this uh, another topic. In your book, you advise quote betters and bookmakers like take heed. If you're continuously betting a lot to win a little, it'll eventually catch up with you. End quote. Um, I'm a never a fan of laying big prices, even though there may be an edge. Can you elaborate more on this? Well, you know that you know you can lay prices. I mean, certainly there's guys that lay prices and they know value, but you know sometimes it's hard to say. Let's say a favorite is you know six to one. Should it be twenty to one? You know, should it be five to one? You know, I, you know it gets a little obscure in there. But most guys doing that don't really do the mathematical work to say, you know, oh, I'm laying five to one on something that should be more like twenty to one. Most of them don't. There's some that do, but most of them don't. And most of them come in, they're trying to bet a bunch of parlays, and, you know, they're betting, you know, let's say, you know, Duke basketball or, you know, Oklahoma football, Alabama football, trying to string together a bunch of parlays. And I always think, you know, you ever ever watch a Saturday of college football? I mean, there's a bunch of upsets, you know. You know, go through the the course of – of a basketball season, there's a lot of big favorites that don't wind up getting there. And, uh, you know, I've seen that, and I wrote about one story in the book. The guy used to bet me $100,000 parlays, and he bet me $100,000 parlays, and was trying to win, you know, 2000 every day. And, and he'd win, 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 win. And then when we finally got him, you know, he was probably up about 40 on it, maybe 35, 40 at the time. But we got him for 100,000, so now we had him stuck 60, 65. Now he's trying to get that back. Well, it's hard to get that back when you're betting, you know, 100,000 and win two or three. You know, you better win an awful lot in a row. And, uh, you know, that, that guy's a pretty much an aberration. It's, a, it's hard to bet, you know, $100,000 parlays. And he made a lot of money in real estate and that sort of thing. So he had that kind of a bankroll. And I see guys that, you know, betting smaller, like, let's say, you know, $1,000 to win, you know, like 20, 30, 50 bucks, something like that. Or sometimes they bet 1000 trying to win, you know, six, seven hundred. But there's still, it takes a lot of wood to try to chop that into, you know, a couple hundred bucks, you know, and, Boy, you know, eventually they lose that one or two games, and uh, you know, I, I I mentioned in the book they go on tilt, and that's what happens. And uh, you know, it just uh, they wind up losing their minds over something that they think is an automatic winner. And you know, we've been in this business a long time. There's not too many automatic winners out there. There's always a price. And even I say, tell my bosses. You know, one of the things I've told them, I says, if something happens and it's it's a hundred to one. That doesn't mean it's a hundred to none. It means it's a hundred to one, and it shows up every once in a while. So, you know, I always say try to keep that in mind when you're out there betting or if you're booking. Absolutely, you're one of the few joints, Chris, that deals a money line on, and no matter how high the spread is, um, and you guys always, it's it's one of those things I always notice. Um, is is the reasoning behind that to try to uh, not just offer more selections for the customers, but you know, there's guys that would like to, you know. Put in that forty-five to one shot in a parlay, or even bet it straight up. Um, do you get a lot of that business? Well, we got a lot. Yeah, we. It's like anything else. Uh, we try to get two-way business on that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, and we usually do. You know, and uh, you know, we get guys that are picking our pockets sometimes, and they, you know, like I said, I, I feel we'll probably get even with them one of these days. You know, but we get a lot of them that pick our pockets on a daily basis, and that's what happens. But. By the same token, we got a lot of guys that come in and like to bet that dog, you know, and, uh, you know, it looks pretty good on your ticket. And, you know, every once in a while they do cash. Yeah. Like I said, it's 100 to 1, not 100 to none. Yes, absolutely. Every so often, they'll 
they'll cash that ticket. Boy, they, they feel great when they do. And you know what? Usually when those guys cash a ticket, I'm pretty happy for them. God good. bless them. Good, good, good. So I, I'm, I myself, I love betting, like, you know, just huge underdogs. Just any, you know, I guess a lot of pros, they just like getting, um, if I could get, you know, 15 to 1 on something that's 10 to 1, it's, it's a big advantage. Um, in your book, you describe the time where, um, Oakland was playing the Chargers, and you were able to lay Oakland minus two and a half and take Chargers plus four, going for a middle at the same joint. How do you view middling, and uh, would it be okay with someone middling you at your joint? You know, in the old days, it was, Spanky, but in, I think I'm going to write about this in my next book. I One time, I got in pretty deep trouble with gaming, and... Uh, you know, like I, it's a long story. I don't want to give the whole story now. It would just take too long. Probably take me half an hour, forty-five minutes to explain the whole thing. So one of the things they they kind of forced my hand into not letting guys bet both sides. And uh, like I said, it's a long story. I don't want to get into it. The next time you and I sit down for a cup of coffee, I'll explain it to you. Gotcha. gotcha. I, I got in trouble, and I can't. I don't let guys bet both sides of a game anymore. Although I used to do it. I didn't have a problem with it, but you know I, they kind of forced my hand. And uh, to stay out of the jackpot with gaming, I've kind of maintained that over the years. I don't let guys bet both sides. I can see where a bookmaker would let them do it and wouldn't have a problem letting them do it. But I, I don't do it. But there's there's a lot of backstory to that. That like I said, someday I'll sit down and I think I'll put the story in my next book because guys want me to write another book and uh, I think I'll include that in there because I'm getting too. If they do something to me now, you know, Spanky, I'm getting too old. If I have to retire, <laughs> I'll retire. That's the way it'll go. I love it. Great. Uh, a lot of New Jersey sports books, Chris, um, out here, they give these bad. You know, not a lot. There's one in particular. They give a bad beat refund. Um, where if you have a bad beat, they refund the money. Uh, what do you feel about that? It just looks like total bullshit to me. You know, <laughs> you make a bad, you win, you lose, whatever. You know what I remember? There's one of the pizza joints that has. Oh, we guarantee if something happens to your pizza, you'll get a free new pizza. Yes, yes, Domino's. Well, I've been ordering pizzas all my life. You know, <laughs> I mean, what's like one out of a million comes with the you know the wrong topping. Yeah. It's you know they've spent more money on that advertising campaign than they'll ever spend in free pizzas. You know, yeah. this is looks like the same thing to me. It looks like a load of bullshit. And, uh, you know, you, you know, we're in business, they're in business. You know, I'd rather you just deal a fair line. Mm. How's that sound? And if a guy gets beat by a three-pointer at the buzzer, he gets beat by a three-pointer at the buzzer. What can I tell you? You know, they, they, you win plenty of those games, too. Although you never remember any one of them. <laughs> of but course. you remember every one of the beats. Of course. You know, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'd rather, like I said, just deal a fair line, make a fair price, treat customers fairly, and and skip all this bullshit on money back for a bad beat this sounds like a bunch of horseshit to me ah, music to my ears chris so i feel the same way um at the south point you guys are well known for never attaching juice to an nfl three um can you explain why and also given this policy would you ever offer a prop for a three-point favorite to win by exactly three points at 10 to 1 well, you know, Smacky, I honestly, I've never really thought about that. I, well, I shouldn't say that. I probably have thought about it, but I haven't thought much about it. You know, it's probably not a bad way to go. But, you know, it's funny. Me and the boss, not not Michael Gaughan, but me and Ryan Growney, uh, who's the general manager here, we just had that discussion the, the other day when the game fell three, naturally. <laughs> you know, they they can hurt. They, and that one hurt pretty good when it fell. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, you know, I don't know. Do we want to? And Ryan said, you know, I don't, I don't think so. He says, look, you know, first of all, look at the joint on Saturday and Sunday. You, you, you need a shoehorn to fit anybody else in this joint. He says, I think that's part of it is that, you know, we only use 110. And, then, you know, I know they fall. I understand that. But I also understand we're a casino. We're not just a sports book. We're a casino. And Michael Gaughan wants a lot of traffic in this joint. And God knows we provide plenty of traffic. So a lot of guys come in here, and uh, Michael loves seeing that. And, you know, I've, I've been spoken to by Michael. You know, and believe me, when we lose, I take a lot harder than he does. <laughs> you know, I do. I take it back. He says, listen, there, you can't prevent you. Listen, if a game's tied and a guy kicks a field goal, that's not your fault. You know, my problem is I want you to treat customers fairly, make sure they have a good experience when they come here, make sure the joint's clean, make sure your ticket writers are polite, make sure we get the tickets out, make sure we get everybody in. That's your job, not for a guy, you know, not for a number falling. That's not your your problem. You know, I want you to book these games properly. <clears throat> Excuse me, but I don't want you to just sit there on a number and afraid to move it because you're afraid of a number falling. Book the game the way you're supposed to. You know, in the end, we'll be okay. And uh, listen, if the boss tells me to change one day, I guess we'll change. But right now, I agree with it. I think you know, Michael has the right idea. You know, let's not let's not move them off the three. I mean, let's uh, not charge juice off the three. And uh, you know, that's the way he wants to do it. And you know, as long as as long as he's okay with it, I'm okay with it too. That's why we're going to keep doing it. Beautiful, I love it. And just to let, just to further on that, uh, elaborate on that, your ticket writers um, are the best I've ever uh, encountered in my life. So I, I, I'm not. They're unbelievable. How accommodating, how fast, and how knowledgeable they are. Yeah, so, thank you. Yeah, we try. All the credit to you guys. Um, you guys put a lot of exotic props up at the South Point, like the first touchdown of the day. I see that that's uh, got a lot of traction. How do you feel about offering props? Are, are, are they money makers, loss leaders? Depends on what kind. You know, just further uh, expand on that if you can. Yeah, I just, you know, I went through, uh, you know, with, with the year end. I just ran a bunch of reports to see, you know, some props, uh, you know, some props are good. Uh, some props are more lost leaders, and it's a little bit a uh, combination of both. And actually, the ones that are lost leaders, you know, I mean, sometimes we just take like a nickel on those things. And, it, you know, it is one of those things we bring people into the joint. And, you know, I'm, I I like taking them because people do like them. Uh, but I know we're not going to make a lot of money doing it, you know. And uh, you know, the, the the first touchdown of the day and the highest-scoring team of the weekend, you know, those are all things – those are okay. We've done pretty good with those, and people like those. I mean, it's a nice return on your dollar. You know, you pick, uh, you know, we're usually rooting for the favorites in that on the weekend, you know, Spanky. You know, because guys like to, you know, reach for the moon and take oh, yeah. a big price on uh, something like that, which is okay. That's what we're doing for them. We get nailed occasionally. But some props, you know, I mean, we, we try to do some unique props, I would say, rather than doing the same that everybody else does, although we do some of those too. You know, but we try to give guys a little bit different of an offering, and uh, you know, it bites us in the ass once in a while. But overall, it's pretty good. But it's not—it's not great. That's not really what we're here for. We're here to really do a lot of the uh, the square business on a daily basis. But you know, we try to offer all that stuff because uh, it does create traffic, and it does create conversation and that sort of thing, and, and it's good for the joint. 
Beautiful. You, you yourself, you're the inventor of the pleaser, the reverse teaser, um, which has gotten um, a lot of traction, not just in Nevada, but in the offshore world when I was coming up in the business. How did you come up with that idea, and is there a lot of interest in that today? Well, first of all, I have to set the record straight, and I've tried to do that because it kind of got out that I was the inventor of the pleaser. I was not. Uh, a real good friend of mine invented it. And I used to bet him with it and all that. And he was a bookmaker for a while. And then he, he switched to the other side of the counter. And I don't want to mention his name because he's a very private guy, but probably the single smartest guy I've ever run into in this business. There's a lot of smart guys out there, Spanky, but he might be the smartest of them all. So he invented it. Now, I kind of took his invention, and I invented the pleaser card. Now, that pleaser card has been a huge moneymaker everywhere that I've ever been. And he actually helped me set it up. So when I, I went to him and told him, I said, listen, I want to do this. I want to, I want to take your idea and I'm going to make it into a, a, a card. You know, can you help me kind of decipher the numbers? So I kind of worked on it with him and I gave it to him. And you know, Spanky is one of those guys is just so thorough and so bright. Like I think it was the next day. He wrote like a 23-page report for me, wow. you know, going through all the numbers and all the situations and this, that, and the other. And because of his help, I wound up putting out the pleaser card. And like I said, I, almost every joint I've ever been in, that card itself, which I invented, has pretty much paid my salary. Wow. So, so it's really been, uh, you know, a boon. And it's one of those things where. It is, I think it's additional revenue, because guys come in and you're betting your, whatever you're betting, you're saying, ah, I'll throw 20 bucks or 100 bucks on this pleaser card. And, you know, I mean, so I think it is an additional uh, revenue source. So I, I don't think it's been, you know, cannibalizing our other stuff. I think it is actual uh, additional revenue that has paid my salary pretty much in every joint that I've ever been in. So kudos to him for helping me out. But he was the inventor of it. And guys that are around Reno... Uh, they know who this this uh, young man. Well, he's probably not so young anymore. He's probably about my age, but they know who this guy is. And uh, you know, my hats off to him. He's just a brilliant, brilliant guy and a, and a good friend. And uh, and uh, he's helped me tremendously in my career. And and again, that's one of those things where you know he was a wise guy, one of the sharpest guys I've ever met. But he helped me personally and look where we are to this day. You know, it's become one of those things that uh, has been in the business. But I didn't invent the pleaser, but I did invent the pleaser card, but using his information to help me get there. Beautiful. Does any other joint deal a pleaser card, or just you guys? Uh, no, William Hill does one too, but uh, that was, they bought the Calneva, and uh, that's where I started the pleaser gotcha. card. So when they bought the plea, they bought the Calneva, they just kind of, uh, that you know was part of the family that they had adopted. Fair enough. In your book, you said college basketball totals, I'm quoting, you said college basketball totals have never been and never will be the greatest thing ever for a bookmaker. Well, yeah. what, what is the most and least profitable sports and bet types to book as a bookmaker and why? Well, I think that's got to go to the top of the class. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you did pretty good with them. And I, I used to put you on pretty good. Cause you, you know, and, and listen, anybody out there listening, I put Spanky on pretty good for college basketball totals. I don't think he had any beef with me. But part of the reason I did that, I don't want to call it square play, but let's say you gave me, you know, what's the word I want to use? You gave me legitimate play on the NFL. You know, not just moves or anything else. You know, you came and I put you down pretty good for those plays in the NFL. You know what? Because, you know, the NFL, 
um, you know, yeah, we do pretty good with the NFL. And you gave me you gave me legitimate play. Yeah, square play is not the right word to use, you know. But you gave me legitimate play in the NFL. And you gave me pretty strong legitimate play. So as a result, I put you down pretty good for college basketball totals. I have a feeling you did pretty good with the college basketball totals. <laughs> uh, just call it a hunch. You know, that's not a very good profitable uh, venture for us. But that's probably one of the things we don't do very well on. You know, we do take a nickel. We move the hell out of it when somebody like you bets us with them. You know, we try to, like I said, we can walk out of here even at the end of the day on those college basketball totals. We're okay. College football totals are another one. We don't do so good on those. And, uh, you know, I don't know, Spanky, it's one of those things where I know certain guys, you know, have a knack for certain things in this business. I never had a knack for totals, whether it's uh, basketball, football, baseball. I actually baseball. I shouldn't say it. baseball. I did pretty good with baseball totals, betting them. You know, but uh, but other than that, I never had much of a knack for totals. But uh, you know, those college football, college basketball, we don't do very good on them. That's why we kind of keep the limits a little bit lower there. But uh, those are probably the least profitable of the things that we book on a regular basis. Thank you um, for, for, like I said, just just talking to you, the relationship, that the way you guys treated me, um, you know, if any any bookmaker out there is listening, you know, it, well, there is no adversary here. Even though I'm trying to take the, the shop's money, you're trying to take my money, we can still get along, be friends, and treat each other with respect and still try to to live in harmony and it, it's very possible and um and you're one of the few people that understand that chris from from your side of the counter uh around today and it's just just to hear that makes my heart you know and again I, this is I, i'm not trying to sound all sobby or whatever but it really touches me that that people like you still exist well, there's not many of us left no i that i know that i know that i know um, so, um, one other thing, you know, just to bring back an old school thing that, that, that uh, something that you wrote in a book that resonated with me, you referenced signing cocktail napkins, which is, you know, the <laughs> contract of the streets. Um, I myself have made a few cocktail napkin deals. Um, uh, you know, my lawyer would cringe hearing this, but in your mind, does honor still trump law? Like, depending on who it is, would a handshake or a cocktail napkin suffice over a legal contract? You know, I've been involved, you know, personally, four contracts in my life. You know, one with Calneva, and they, you know, they were friends and honorable guys, and they're honorable to this day. You know, uh, I fulfilled my end, they fulfilled theirs. I was in a contract with, uh, you know, a former partner of mine at Calneva, and once again, he was, you know, a, a multi, multi, multi-millionaire. He fulfilled his end of the contract. I fulfilled mine, and he was nothing but honorable to me. And uh, I would say that another contract I was involved with was with Vic Salerno when I was with uh, American Wagering, and he went above and beyond. And I wrote about it in my book. My wife got sick. Uh, she had a brain tumor, and Vic would have been well within his rights. And this is when the whole country, the whole economy, was going down the shithole. You know, and but Vic. You know, I, he stood by his word and kept me on the payroll, kept me on insurance, and that probably helped save my wife's life. And uh, so I, I speak very highly of Vic, and Vic's an honorable guy. And I believe I'm Vic and I've had our beeps over the years uh, in business, but there's Vic the businessman and Vic the human being. And at times, and at that time, he went beyond business and he honored his end of the contract, and uh, and I thank him for that. And he's to this day, a dear friend of mine. I was involved in one other contract <laughs> uh, with uh, 
with a gold nugget. And uh, let's just and I've let people read between the lines and just say the way it was settled. We had our differences, and they were resolved. And you could put two and two together there and see how that worked out. But, you know, I had three that I'd say didn't need resolved and one that did. And uh, that's why I would say, you know, the contract is only as good as the piece of paper it's written on, but it's also only as good as the guy signing it. So I would tell young kids, keep that in mind. There's guys that are honorable and guys that, you know, are, are less so. Yes, sir. Are there uh, any plans for the South Point Sportsbook to expand nationwide at all? Yeah, you know, Smacky, right now we're in Oregon and New Mexico, and we've made some bids. I mean, I'd love to get into New Jersey, you know, but, we're, you know, we're, we're you know, I, I love the South Point, but, you know, technically we're a small player. You know, I look at some of these other joints, you know, William Hill has like, you know, 100 some joints just in Nevada. I don't know what they have nationwide or worldwide. You know, uh, MGM's another one. They have a whole bunch of them. Stations. My cousin runs the stations. You know, they have, I think, 14 joints just here in Nevada. And, uh, you know, so we're, we're, you know, we're trying to play catch up a little bit, but I think, uh, you know, the places we've gone into, we've been successful. I think we uh, run a really good store. And, uh, you know, we, yeah, we'd love, we'd love to get going in a couple more places and, you know, hopefully we will. I'd love to get that opportunity. I'd love to get into Jersey and I'd love to get into, you know, some of these other jurisdictions. So yeah, we'd love to. We plan on it. We're trying to get in there, but, uh, you know, they look at us and we're just, uh, you know, one, we're one operator. We, we, we run a really good store and, uh, sometimes guys get deceived by thinking big is better, but, you know, you could have a hamburger at McDonald's or you can get a hamburger at, uh, you know, a good restaurant. Which one do you want? I know which one I want. Mm-hmm. I don't eat a McDonald's. You know, I hate mm-hmm. these other joints. So, you know. Absolutely. And, um, it, you know, just the, 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 the Gorn family has always been notorious for treating gamblers right. Um, uh, can you just describe Michael and how he's one of the last like non-corporate guys left in the business? Well, that's you know I mentioned a couple of contracts I, I've had. I don't have a contract with Michael. I've never asked him for one. He's never offered one, and you know we don't need one. Jimmy Vaccaro, he doesn't have one either. And I don't know anybody in this joint that does have one. You know, we all trust Michael, and uh, he's treated me nothing but fairly. And before I knew Michael. I knew Jackie, and I knew Jackie through my through my uncle Jack, you know, who introduced me to Jackie Gone. And uh, again, this is one of those funeral stories, uh, Spanky. If you're at my funeral, my daughter knows the story. She's the only one. I did a favor for Jackie Gone, and uh, he, you know, I didn't even expect any money for it, but Jackie gave me five hundred bucks for doing this. It was many many years ago, and. Uh, that ingrained me to the Gone family, and uh, you know, they, between Jackie, who's now passed away, and you know, Michael, I've worked for, and you know, I know, I know the boys really well, uh, Mike Jr. and John, and uh, Brendan. I don't know, I know Katie. I've met her, but I don't even know if she would know who I am. But you know, all the kids, you know, they're they're all. It's a great family. I'm proud to be associated with them, and uh, you know, they. They treat gamblers right, but they treat everybody right. That's just the way they do business, you know, and God love them. Uh, you know, like I said, I'm proud to be working for them and with them, and, uh, you know, I'm hoping this is the last job of my career. So, you know, I hope uh, hope I never have to move on anywhere else. So, God uh, I love working with them. You know, I hope so. 
awesome man you know I um before I ever met you Chris just to close here before I met you I've, I've heard from others that you're a real nice guy but th there's a mutual friend Scott Kaminsky who used to was Roxy's first employee at yeah. LVSC he told me that you're his favorite person in the world and that's a pretty strong line to say about somebody that you know that's my favorite person in the entire world um, you, you know, I, I, what's your secret, Chris, of being so loved and respected in an industry where not much love and respect goes around? Well, first of all, thanks to Scott, and he was just one of those guys. We just hit it off together. You know, he was. You know, and I love Roxy. We worked. Roxy and I did a lot of things together. Yes. That's in that book. A lot of shit that I can't mention <laughs> in this book. Uh, but, you know, that Scott was working for Roxy, and he and I really worked a lot together, particularly in college basketball. We did a lot of stuff together. Uh, you know, he's really a sharp guy. And, uh, you know, boy, we, you know, geez, we, we crunched a lot of numbers and talked about a lot of different stuff, you know, so I love Scott too. He's one of my favorite people in the world. And I, you know, I'm glad Scott's had a good career and a good life. You know, God bless him. I love that guy. Uh, so thanks to Scott for saying that about me, but you know, I don't know, Spanky, I just try to always be fair with people, you know what I mean? I, you know, there's probably, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who think I'm a jerk, you know, I but, never uh, heard it. I never heard it once. Well, believe me, there's a couple of them out there, but you know, I've had, I've had people tell me that I would have made a good judge, you know, had I chosen to go into a different profession. And, uh, well, I think that's, you know, uh, not to pat myself on the back too much, but I think that's probably true. And you know what? I think that's a good bookmaker because you, you have to look at both sides. You know, just not going to say, oh, this team's going to kill them. I love when guys say, oh, it's going to, you can't make the number too high. Really? I mean, if we made it 100, would you take the dog? Well, yeah, okay, okay. So there's somewhere between pick and 100. And we've got to figure out where that is. So I think that's part of being a bookmaker is you've got to look at both sides. And I've always tried to do that in life. You know, I try to be fair with people. And I say, you know, look at Look at like you and I. We don't know each other all that well, you know. But you know, we're kind of on different sides of the spectrum. But I've treated you fairly. You've treated me fairly, and that's that's the way business works. That's the way life works. And I've always tried to be that way. And I'm glad that people have said that about me because, uh, you know, I haven't always done the right thing. Believe me, I have an ex-wife and an ex-fiance, and uh, you know, actually, the ex-fiance and I probably get along better than anybody. <laughs> but you know. Uh, but you know, I'm sure there's people out there that wouldn't say that about me. But I'm I'm glad that most of them do, and that that that's nice to hear. Great way to end it. Thank you so much, for Chris, for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Um, and um, uh, all the best to you. I, um, I uh, how's your health doing, by the way? I I um know that you were had a little a lot of health issues in, in recently. Is everything going a lot better now, or? Yeah, everything is going really well. Thanks, Mickey. And I, I've, you know, it was one of those things where uh, I know a couple of people have talked about their health issues, and I talked about mine. I thought that if I talked about it, maybe it would help some people get through whatever theirs is. But listen, we all know what's going to happen eventually. You know, yeah. I mean, we're we're all trying to hold that guy off as long as we can. Of course. Uh, but yeah, I had uh, I had some you know some rather serious issues, and uh, I needed a bone marrow transplant, or else you know, I'd probably be gone at this point. You know, and it doesn't always work, but I was very fortunate. Mine worked very, very well. And so far, so good. Um, you know, there's no no guarantees about anything, but uh, you know, so far I've done well with it. And uh, you know, the, you know, my last meeting with the doctor, he told me, "Listen, at this point, you're doing well. You should have a normal lifespan." 
Yeah, God, so I mean, I'm 63. Yeah, so I mean, what's a normal lifespan? I don't know, 10 years, 20 years. It might be a week and a half. You know, I don't know. You know, but uh, right now I feel good and hope to hope to keep this going for a while, Spanky. I'm enjoying life, and uh, you know, I'm not ready to check out anytime soon. Beautiful. We long live Chris Andrews. Thank you so much, Chris, for taking the time to do this. And next time, um. Uh, I'm uh, in your neck of the woods. I'd love to grab some dinner or, uh, or yeah. get together and chat some more. I'd love to. I'd love to, my friend. You're a good guy, and uh, you know I'm, I'm glad to be associated with you. And thanks for having me on here. It's been a pleasure. Wow. I hope you guys love listening to that as much as I love recording it. That was just unbelievable. Uh, Chris is such a class act. We had a lot of laughs together. He's one of the bookmakers in the business that still brings honor and prestige to the title. Um, And it was great because his book was able to give me a basis and a foundation to be able to dig deeper on things. Instead of having to go through a whole life story, I was able to kind of probe on different questions I had and different topics that I thought would be interesting. So it was just an all-around great experience. He's a great guy at the South Point, if anybody's in Vegas and you want to have a good bookmaker and a good joint to be able to get down, check out Chris Andrews and the whole South Point, and um, you won't be disappointed. Thanks so much for the time. Until next time.